Thank you again, God's servant and my sister. Thank you. And God also bless your husband, Pastor Dushote. God bless you guys for the good work that you are doing. And God bless also the house of God at PCC. God bless you guys. Okay. So, well, again, this afternoon or this evening, depending on your time zone, I remain your servant, your brother in the Lord, Lyde Odushote. And I'm here again on this platform to share with us God's word. And uh, what we're going to be doing is to peruse the scriptures together. We, we don't want to do any form of uh, eisegesis. By that I mean we are reading our meaning into the scriptures. What we want to do is to allow the scriptures to read itself. And we are conforming to that which we are reading. So we don't come with any preconceived ideas of us. Neither are we giving any of our own interpretation. We want to interpret the scriptures in context. So, and then we trust God that where we need to change, to set aside that which we think the gospel is, where that is need, needed, I think with holy humility, we should be ready to do that. And where we need to embrace new ideas, new understanding, we should do that. And I'm trusting God that uh, it's going to be a very great time again in Jesus' name. Praise God. Okay, so um, I'll be sharing with us, rediscovering the gospel. Can I, I think I can go ahead now. Okay, okay, okay. And so our Father, we thank you for understanding again. We thank you because your spirit is here to flood our minds and our hearts with understanding. Lord, we ask, O oh God, that as your servant, you will help me, you will grace me, even as you have graced me, to communicate your word with precision, with power, and with wisdom, and that your people with good hearts, well disposed, they will receive your word, and your word will do us great good. Lord, I ask, O oh God, that you will yet cause us to be established in the gospel of truth, so that we are not just established in it, we can also make it known by our lifestyle and by our words that through us many more people will be brought to the same that we are in. Thank you, Father Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Okay. So we are looking at rediscovering the gospel. Okay. The first thing is when we say we want to rediscover something, why do we have to rediscover anything? Uh, we need to rediscover something when such seems to be lost, when such needs to have been forgotten, when such when there are a lot of variant of such, when there is no more accuracy, when we think that the meaning is being diluted. Or when we think that there are variants, there are heteros, the way the Bible put it, there are other, you know, that looks like it, but they are not it. And I think seriously that for me, reading the Bible and looking at the how 
the gospel is spreading across the globe and a lot of people are pressing into it. Do I say press? But we have multitude coming into it. You know, the Bible said there is a way that seems right. He said, but a lot throng. So I say a lot of thronging, a lot of pushing, a lot of coming to, in quote, the, 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 the worship centers. I don't want to say the church because the church is God's people. When you see it, you will wonder that, are you really sure that everybody is for this same gospel? Yes, that's what we say. But by the time we look at the gospel, as taught by the apostle, you begin to have a question mark. A question mark. Are you really sure that, Lide, you're after the gospel? Shola, you're after the gospel? Do you even understand it? Was it even the gospel that was preached to you when you claimed that you received Jesus? You know, we say we gave our life to Jesus. Actually, we, technically, you don't give your life. You received Christ. So when you received Jesus, are you really sure that is the gospel you received? For instance, I preach like this. You know, some of you, you are suffering. And this world is very delicate. You know, there are a lot of enemies at work in your family. Some people have not given birth. Some people, they work, work, work. And financially, they're not doing well. And it's work of the enemies. And the truth is that Jesus died so that that problem can be solved. If you accept Jesus today, your problem will be solved. And financially, there will be a turnaround. All your enemies will be destroyed. And from this time on, things will begin to change for you. Now, everybody strung out after that kind of message. And I'm like, are you sure you have taught the gospel? Is that the gospel? Or you have this scenario, somebody say, you know, Jesus died so that you can be rich. If you are poor, poverty is a sin. Poverty, you know, is not the will of God for your life. If you want to be rich, come to Jesus and you find that everything you have not been able to do, you begin to do in your life. And then who doesn't want to be rich? So everybody rush out again and then they accept Jesus. And when you look at the way we preach, we seem to be, we seem to be interested in the number of people that rush out of our meetings to say they've accepted Jesus. Even when what we preach is not accurate, we don't really get, we don't really care. But is that what we see in the scripture? Then when you look at we servants of God, you put down 10 servants of God, all of them are saying different things. Completely different. This one is preaching deliverance. This one says he's preaching holiness. This one says I'm preaching prosperity. This one says I'm preaching leadership. This one says I'm preaching this. And I'm like, is this what we see in the Bible? So all of us, are, you know, we are sounding different voices. Yet we all claim we are preaching the gospel. I think the gospel is one. It's the gospel. It's a definite message. And it doesn't change with people, with places, with time, or with person. It doesn't change. The gospel that the apostle preached is still the same gospel that we must be preaching. You know, after those guys got saved in Acts chapter 3, the Bible says, and they continue daily in the temple. They continue with the doctrine of the apostles. They didn't come with their own doctrine. They continue in the same doctrine. As incidentally, the doctrine of the apostles was, you know, is the gospel. 
So when we when the gospel seems to have this kind of trend, I think we will need to rediscover. And the only way we rediscover is not just to sit down and just to try to figure things out, is to go back to the scriptures, to go with a neutral heart, with humble heart, and to begin to ask God to open the scriptures to us. And begin to read those things that you actually thought you have read before, but you never read, but because you have had it repeatedly taught in the church. So you think that is the gospel. So uh, on that note, we need to rediscover the gospel. Now, again, when we say we want to rediscover the gospel, we might need to look at the gospel again as to when we talk about good, the gospel, it simply means good news. But good news about what? Because anything can be good news. For instance, somebody has been trusting God or somebody has been, you know, maybe somebody has primary fertility for the, uh, in the last 10 years. He has never been pregnant once and he's been, you know, they may have that challenge the family. And then for this last time of, you know, doctor, period for by pastor or went to a clinic, fertility, uh, fertility clinic and things like that. And the person got pregnant and then he carried the news to the husband. Now, that's a good news to the husband. That's a news and that's a good one. But is that the gospel? Now, even though that's the good news to that family, but is that the good news the gospel that we're talking about that Jesus brought. Somebody has been poor. Things has been, you know, awful for that family. And you got a letter. You are promoted. And all the, you know, they backdated the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the employment. And they are paid so much. Or you've been fighting for a contract. And then you got the contract. Or there was a sickness and then you were healed. And then the news came to the family. This has happened. That is good news. That is a gospel. But is that the gospel? I don't think so. So we will need to rediscover when the gospel seems to take this dimension that everybody seems to have their own variant. Everybody seems to claim this is where I received my own. This is what I receive. This is my own gospel. Then we begin to wonder, are you sure the Bible is sounding to us different things? I don't think so. I think the challenge is not the inerrancy of the scripture, but the interpreter of the scripture, the, those who preach it, those Christians who come to it, whether they are Christian or they are not. In fact, some are not even Christian, and yet they are preaching the gospel. So we want to rediscover. Again, the Bible, the apostle actually told us about the fact that there is such a thing called another gospel that was taught in their time and is still being taught till today. And so when there is such a thing as another gospel, then the true gospel must be rediscovered. Must be rediscovered. Now look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. You see, this is so important that we have to rediscover. Because if there is anything Satan fights tooth and nail, it is the gospel. Satan will not have us to get it right. Satan doesn't want our doctrine of the gospel to be accurate, to be in alignment with what the apostle taught. Because if he gets us at the level of the gospel, then he has gotten us completely. 
any wonder the Bible says that the elder who preach, who labor in word and in the doctrine must be counted worthy of double honor, double wages. Because the, the, the apostles saw that the, the real deal here is orthodoxy, correct doctrine, correct gospel. Because without it, there cannot be autopraxy, correct living. You see, our lifestyle as Christians will emanate from the doctrine or the gospel or the teachings that you are given. Okay, now let's look at it. Second Corinthians and chapter 11 and verse 3. But I fear, lest by enemies as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So, Satan deceived or beguiled Eve. And he introduced to Eve another gospel or another doctrine or another commandment. Because God told them, told, God told Abraham, Adam, thou shalt not eat. You must not eat of this fruit, knowledge of good and evil. Satan came and said, if you, nothing will happen, God actually was caging you. He doesn't want your freedom. He wants everybody that will just be saying yes sir, yes sir, yes sir to him. That's how it's always been his antics. And I have to tell you, Nothing will happen if you choose not to obey him. And so, Eve reached out and disobeyed God, sorry, and was deceived because the Bible tells us that Adam was not deceived. He actually chose to disobey. It was Eve that was deceived. And he's now giving us a parallel here that the same method that Satan used at that time when he diluted the ordinance of God, the commandment, the instruction of God, and made it of no effect, is doing that today again now. That what Satan is doing now to lure a lot of people into that which, which God has no hands in is to dilute, to bring another gospel. Look at it, verse 4. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, so there's such a thing called another Jesus, meaning what Jesus does not represent, what Jesus did not come here for. But even though we are reading Bible, we are extracting our own meaning. Amenutically, we are not interpreting the scriptures accurately. And so, we are coming out with different meaning. Whom we have not preached. So, those guys were preaching Jesus. Or if you received another spirit, which we have not received another spirit. For instance... When a pastor finds it easy to curse people from the pulpit without feeling any restraint, and any, it's a wrong spirit that is ruling such a person. You see, if truly the spirit of Christ at work in you, you will have a lot of restraint to curse anybody on earth. You will have a lot of restraint. You'll be sensitive. Your, your oppression will be brisk. Your reflexes will be brisk. You won't even be able to do it. If you do it, you can't get away with it. Because it's not your spirit. It's a strange spirit. Which we have not received. Or another gospel. So there's such a thing called another gospel. Which we have not accepted. You might as well bear with him. Now, if there was another gospel in their time. Of a necessity, there is another gospel today. And when there is another gospel. Then anybody 
who truly want to follow Christ must rediscover the gospel. Otherwise, you must not, re- you, you shouldn't come at the, you, you know, after 10 years of your life, 15 years, 20 years, and you find that what you have been calling the gospel is not the gospel. You have actually been wasting your money, wasting your time, using your money to advance error and not the truth. Is there anything like that? Yes. In Acts chapter 4, chapter 5, when they took those apostles and they were beating them, and they told them not to preach in the name of Jesus, you know, Gamaliel, one of the doctors of the law, stood and he said, we restrain from these things that you are doing. Because if these guys were actually preaching the truth, you can't stop it. He said, give it time. He said, you remember Theodos and then Judas of Galilee. He said, you remember these guys? They had following. Theodos had 400 people. Much people followed Judas. But at the end of the day, those guys perished. And that was the end. My own question has always been, you mean 400 people followed that guy? What was the global population at that time? That it could attract 400 people. Yet it was in error. It was after his death that everybody scattered. You mean you used all your life to follow a man in error and you never knew until he died? Now, for me, that's grave. That's why you, that you are in the gospel, you have to say, you are listening to Lydia Odushote. You must go again and check this thing. See, a lazy man can know God. It's not enough to say anointing flowed through my life, the, the, the meeting was powerful, there was healing, the prophecy was right. All those things are okay, but they don't authenticate my doctrine. I will get there. You don't authenticate my doctrine with anointing. They are two different things, and I will get there. I'm taking my time. I, I don't want to run. I want you to, this thing to sink. Because for me, it's really grave how the father descent have not been trained to be able to discern the gospel. That even though that's a, that man of God is sincere, but sincerity is not enough. Our sincerity is not enough. Romans 10 says, the Jews were sincere. Paul said, I wish they would be saved. It's my desire that they will be saved. That they, in their sincerity, they have abandoned the true gospel and they are establishing their own righteousness, which is after works, which is after the law. But they were sincere. But your sincerity is not enough. You must, you, until you are on the way, you are not in the way. You are not on the way. So there is such a thing as another gospel here. Now let's get to Galatians and chapter 1. Let's see how the apostle took this thing. You know, I, I, I've had to teach this kind of thing again and again. And sometimes when I teach it, I'm like, we, we, we don't seem to know that this thing is grave. That, that a servant of God is so anointed and he has population, he has large following across the globe. It doesn't mean he's preaching what is right. You don't use quantity to authenticate quality in the kingdom. For more are the children of the desolate than she that is, you know, you know more are the children of the, than she that has, that, that, that has an husband. That's what Galatians chapter 4 tells us. Now look at it, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. You see it? They've been, you see, these guys received the gospel. This is their own challenge. This one received the gospel and they are saved. 
But now, in continuing the journey, they are swept up their feet and they now land into another gospel. Because the gospel is not just the truth that by which we are saved. It is the truth by which we will be sustained. The gospel is preached and you are saved. The gospel is preached and you will be established. The gospel is preached and you will be perfected. The gospel is preached and you will be preserved. The only challenge you know is what is the gospel? So I will see come there, I will see define it. But you must know this. You must first know this. The gospel is not just you are hearing something so that you can be saved. That's not, it doesn't end there. The whole of your Christian journey, which is a marathon, is about the gospel. Okay. Which is not another, because there is no another gospel. God doesn't give different gospel to different servants of God. Somebody say, this is what God gave me, and God gave, there's nothing like that. If three people are preaching different things, maybe all of them are wrong. All of them cannot be right. Is either all of you are wrong or one of you is right. But if all of you are preaching different things, all of you are wrong or one of you is right. And most of the time, none is even right. And the challenge is that that is ubiquitous. That is all over the place. That is what we have today. That is, what, that is almost what is generic. And by the time you start talking like this, somebody will say, you are criticizing. You are against people. How? Don't you see the ground of these guys? Which is not another, because there is really no another gospel. But there be that, but there be that trouble you and will pervert the gospel of Christ. You see, any gospel that is not the true gospel is a perversion. And it will destroy the soul of the era. The only platform, the only ground by which our salvation is guaranteed and will be sustained is the gospel. It is in the gospel that the power of God is revealed. The power of God unto salvation is revealed in the gospel. Any other thing, God is not in any form of allegiance to confirm it. And that's why people don't change. That's why you see Christians, they are not changing. Because what they are hearing is not the gospel. But someone said they are preaching the word. What do you mean by the word? Preaching the Bible or preaching anything in the Bible doesn't mean you are preaching the gospel. Because it's technical. You must be trained to see it. And we're going to look at one or two things there. Now, Apostle Paul was so grave. This was so grave to them. Now look at what he said, verse 8. But though we, though lie do shorter, I always say this, any servant of God who does not put himself on the line and tell his people, if I preach another gospel, get back from me, we don't want our sword. But though we, that's what Paul said, or an angel from heaven. So, that somebody come from heaven doesn't mean he's preaching the gospel. This is also another thing. That somebody said, I went to heaven. It doesn't authenticate you or what you are saying. It doesn't authenticate anything. That's your experience. That's subjective. Anybody can go to heaven for any reason that God didn't fit. Sometimes God even allows some people to go to heaven because of your stubbornness. Because of your unbelief. If you don't have experience of him, you can't believe his word. So God has to give you experience. And then you now come and then you now get inebriated in the experience thinking that it's because you are spiritual. No, those things don't authenticate anything. Do we despise the experience? No. We give thanks to God. And it helps us, you understand, in our conviction of the truth. 
But when we come back, we still preach the gospel, the Bible, the word of God. Okay, verse 8. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you. So Paul did not make himself above error. Paul said, it is possible that I, Paul, preach another gospel. You must not just take it and just be hearing the container, the container or the messenger. You see, a lot of us, we hear the message in the messenger. We don't hear the message in the truth. We exalt the messenger above the message. No messenger is above the message. Like this, see, like they must be inferior to the message. Your allegiance must be to the content, not like they will be shorted. You must not leave a meeting and like there is more on your lips than the truth. What kind of idolatry is that? Where did you get that? Any servant of God that is that has the right spirit will fight it. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel, that means an angel from heaven can preach another gospel. When Paul was to leave Ephesus, he started weeping. He said, for from you I know false teachers will arise. Grievous wolves will arise. Who will be after their belly? Who will not preach these things? And he was warning them. But though we, you are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, than that which we have preached unto you, let it be accursed. Do we see? Do we do we see the gravity? Let him be anathema. Let him be a cause. All because of the gospel you are preaching. Apostle Paul is saying, if your gospel is not right and you are preaching, you should be a cause. Because this, we don't understand this. It's grave. You will dis- see. I don't know if you if you think you make meet a medical doctor and he sees a crook or a, a you know he sees a clown treating patient and giving this, the way he will react will be different from the way an untrained person will react. Because he knows that you are playing with it, you will kill this person. We don't know that the gospel is what gives life and what destroys. If it is not the gospel, it is you destroy the soul of those people. And hear me, what Satan used to destroy us is more than somebody is poor, somebody doesn't have children, somebody, those things are just, they just affect our body. We are talking of eternal damnation here. This is what God left heaven, you understand, to ejectism all his glory and became a man, died, went to the cross and that now everybody is playing with. We've turned to gospel of money. Every Tom Dick and Harry is just saying it, preaching it. No fear, no trembling, no soberness, no gravity, no sense, no, see, no, no, no fear and trembling. Some of us preach it as, as if we have God in our pocket. We're so excited all because of the gain, the money, the gift that come into it. I said, what? Do you know what this thing is about? But though we, let him be our cause. Verse 9. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach another gospel, he's saying it again. Unto you, than that which we have received, let him be accursed. And what were they preaching here? Ask me, my sister, what were they preaching? It's legalism. It's legalism they were preaching. It's the Jews that were saying, I'll come there after this gospel, I'll be taking a grace, legalism, or libertinism. We'll be looking at it. 
if we are really going to raise our children to be the Christians that they should be with their parents, we must get it right. We must not just give them whatever we think it is, morality. And then, you know, I was listening to a servant of God and he was doling out things. I said, this is morality you are teaching. This is not Christianity. You are teaching people to change their behavior. Christianity is not change your behavior. Anybody can change his behavior. Behavioral modification is not Christianity. Christianity is replacing us with Christ. That's the goal. Christianity is not like they change your behavior, you're a bad person, you have to be a good person so that God can accept you. That is another gospel. And the apostle will say, let's all be cursed. To them is grave. Because in every religion, there are good behavior, there are morality all over the place. But Christianity is not morality. Even though in living out the life of Christ, there's morality as an outflow, but Christianity is more than that. Okay, so those guys said, let him be accursed because they taught another gospel. Now, let me show you another thing that we get into. We begin to now look at what then is this? You are jellion. What is the gospel? Look at uh, Todd John. You know, sometimes when I said, we, they, they, we don't seem to understand what these apostles understood. How it was so grave to them. Did I say third? Let's look. It's second. Second John. Second John. And um, okay, let's go there. Verse nine. Second John nine. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of Christ is simply the gospel of Christ. It's the same thing as the gospel of Christ, the teaching of Christ. The gospel that convey Christ, the doctrine. Act not God. He that abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, he acts, he that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. So, how do we help our people to continue in the Father and the Son? You must teach them the doctrine of Christ. The truth that convey Christ, you understand, as the substance of what we are teaching. Verse 10 now. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, what is the doctrine? The doctrine of Christ. Receive him not into your house. For me, this is grave. In other words, what you teach. If you say you are a preacher of the gospel and you are preaching what is not correct, the apostle says, I should not receive you into my house. Nor bid him Godspeed. You see it? You don't even greet that person. You don't even wish him well. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is a partaker of his evil deeds. In other words, our behavior stems from our doctrine. When the doctrine is not right, people cannot escape evil conversations. So, if this is true, then rediscovering the gospel is sacrosanct. Is the only thing we have to do. It is not enough to just say one man of God is anointed in Nigeria or in Canada or in the US. He has a global whatever it is. He has this. It's not enough. Sit down. Listen. You see, when I meet any new servant of God, talk, teach, I'll listen to what you are teaching and I'll go back and listen to more of your messages. I'll call me back to back. 
before I can recommend people to listen to you. I'm I am sensitive to doctrine. I am extremely sensitive to content. What are you preaching? What are you saying? What are you implying with these teachings? The apostles were sensitive. So, there is such a thing as another gospel. And because there is such a thing as another gospel or variant or gospel that is diluted or gospel that is being taught that is made to say what is not saying. For instance, somebody say, gospel of prosperity. Jesus came so that he can be financially rich. God doesn't want to be poor. And I'm like, are you sure that's the gospel? Where did you read that in the Bible? Are you sure? That's what God, God said. Don't you know that's Abrahamic covenant? No, that's not Abrahamic covenant. Abrahamic covenant transcends those things about money. If, in fact, that's not to do with money. You understand? But we'll get there. So, we have to rediscover. Now, there are three ways we can look at gospel. There is that gospel that is the true, the pure, the gospel, which is the gospel of Christ, which is the gospel that has to do with the doctrine of Christ, which has to do with the gospel of the grace of Christ. I'll get to that when I explain it. Or there can be variants, which can either be legalism, which talks about what you do is what will determine what you get from God. Change your behavior. Live right if you want God to bless you. Then there is another gospel which says, how you live doesn't matter. Once you have received Jesus, you can live anyhow. Sin doesn't take you from, it doesn't prevent from going to heaven. So you can live. You are a child of God. You are an old bar. That's libertinism. These are variants. But there is the gospel and the gospel is what we want to look at. Now, the gospel, again, must be seen in the true light, before I define it, that you and I must not make a mistake. And what is that mistake? In not differentiating between Jesus from his birth to the time he began ministry <clears throat> and then going to the cross, all those life, and the Jesus that rose from the dead, you know, you get, and then ascended on high, and be, you know, and became the Christ of God. That the gospel has not taken effect until the resurrection of Jesus. That the gospel that saves us is enacted after the death of the testator. That it was after Jesus died and rose up to enforce his will by giving us his spirit that the gospel began. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians and chapter 15. Verse, um, verse 14. Okay, let's see for verse 13. 
But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ, then is Christ not risen? Because some people are saying there is nothing like resurrection. Apostle Paul was saying, do you know what you are saying, you guys? If there is no resurrection, that means Jesus did not rise. And if Christ be not risen, then in our preaching, vain. And your faith is also vain. What's our preaching? They were preaching the gospel. So if Jesus did not rise, everything we are preaching is vain. In other words, anything we preach before the resurrection of Jesus is not the gospel. All that we have been preaching is to prepare us for the coming of the gospel. So technically speaking, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are not part of the New Testament or the gospel in that sense. It was after Jesus resurrected and was coronated the Lord and the Spirit descended that the church was parted and that the gospel was enacted. So, our faith is vain before the resurrection did not take place. In other words, my question is this. Are you saying that people are not exercising faith in God before Jesus resurrected? People are not being healed. People are not, demons were not cast out. All those things, the disciples did not go and cast out. They did all that. But the truth is this, that is not the New Testament gospel. It has not started until the resurrection of Jesus. Technically, the gospel has not started. So the gospel... Is the good news then, the glad tidings about the suffering of Christ, his death on the cross and resurrection, and his ultimate glorification, and the impact of that on those who believe the impact of that. So, our faith in the suffering of Christ is crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection, because it must rise, and glorification. All this form the body of the gospel. And it is through this that Jesus obtained for his people eternal salvation. He obtained for us eternal redemption. That man is redeemed back to God. He has paved way for that. For us to be redeemed back to God. This is the beginning of the gospel. Now what was the problem? Why the gospel? The problem is this. The first man, Adam, sinned. And the sin he committed was sin of disobedience. And the Bible tells us that by one man's disobedience, sin entered into the world. And death, spiritual death, accompanied it. And all have sinned. So all of us, by inheritance, we became sinners in Adam. All of us. You understand? And then because we are sinners in Adam, we practice sinning. We commit sins. I don't need to be trained. It's natural. It's my birthright. I, come, I live in sin. 
There is a nature that I received in Adam that makes all of us to sin, to carry out sins. So the first man made us sinners. The second man is the solution. The first man, Adam. The second man, Christ. The last Adam paved the way for our redemption and for us now to be reconciled back to God. So through the first Adam, we became the enemies of God in sin. We know, and then we are living in death, sins and trespasses. But through the second man, the second, the last Adam, we're reconciled back to God. Now we're going to look at this thing quickly now. First Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15, verse. Um, where is it now? First Corinthians 15. Okay, let's get to 22. For as in Adam, all die. All of us die. That's spiritual death. Even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. That's a promise. But Christ did it by, resur by his resurrection. So, in Adam, sin entered. In Christ, righteousness entered. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. I will still define more of this, uh, the gospel. Romans chapter 5 and verse 19. For, by, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. We became sinners. It's, it's, you don't have choice. You are a sinner by, by birth. You inherit it. It is a good inheritance that we all had in Adam. And as a result of that, all of us started sinning right from toddlers, right from tender age. We started living in sin. David said, in iniquity was I shapen. I was conceiving sin. Yes, it is. All of us by inheritance. That's why God had to bypass the seed of the man when Jesus was to be conceived. So that the seed of sin will not enter into that holy child. Who, you know, who, who, who came, not just that he was not conceiving sin, he didn't, he didn't even know sin on earth. He didn't know it. He didn't commit no sin. He was tempted at all points and Satan could not get him. Okay. So by one man's sin, many were missing now. So by the obedience of one, and that one is Christ, by his obedience, shall many be made. You see, what God did is making us, is made. Lydie was made a righteous man. I'm a righteous man in nature. And that's why I should practice righteousness. If you are in Christ, you are a righteous man. It is not humility to be saying, eh, eh, if you're a Christian, eh, are you then saying that uh, a man can be perfect? I'm not, all this your teeth you are twisting. I'm not talking about that. You must say what the Bible says you are. The Bible says you are a righteous man, you are a righteous man. You are no more a sinner. In Adam you were, in Christ you are not. The game has changed. This is, the good news then is, all you are, go and announce that all you are in Adam, God has dealt with it in Christ. Jesus has paid the, he has paid the price. God has, you know, Jesus has satisfied the justice system of God. 
Jesus has met all the condition. All your sins has been dealt with on the cross. The blood has cleansed you. The blood of Jesus has, you know, has been paid. You understand? As a ransom, God is now receiving you back to himself as his own people. Go announce their sin are forgiven. Go announce the old of sin has been broken. The old of Satan has been broken. Go announce to them. The, you see, the evil that locks in this world doesn't have power over them again. This is the good news. It has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with making it in life. Nothing. Whether you have made it or you have not made it, whether you are poor or you are rich, all of you have the same problem. All of you are wretched in sin. The problem of man is not morality. The problem of man is not riches. The problem of man is not good behavior. The problem of man is that he is dead in trespasses and sin and he need help. In fact, his morality compounds his problem because, because he thinks he's morally upright. He thinks he doesn't have problem. And that's why the publicans who knew that they don't, they don't even have anything, we, we quickly accept Jesus and those who think they are religious and in court, so they wear the garment of morality, they, are, they, you know, they won't come to Jesus. And that's still the same problem to you today. So, the gospel is first, this is the problem of man. You are dead in sins and you can't help yourself. All your righteousness, they are filthy before God. There's nothing you can bring on the table. Nothing. Anything whatsoever you want to bring is filthy. It's rotten. Because you yourself, you are rotten in truth. Let, let, let man know the gravity of their problem. And they tell them that God is not expecting them to do anything. Because there's nothing you can do about your state. What can be done has been done. Jesus did it. And how did he do it? He went to the cross for you. He took your place that he might give you his own place. He took, he gave, he gave his life that you might receive his life. That's what the gospel is. So the gospel is good news about what God had promised right from the time Adam sinned. And he said, the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent and then he enacted it in Abraham by telling him in, in you, the nations of the earth will be blessed. And the blessing is you have been turned from your iniquity to the living God in Christ. This is the gospel. The gospel is the good news about what God promised in the prophets, in the law God has fulfilled in Christ. Go and announce Go and tell as many that believe they will be saved. This is the gospel. Is that the end? No. The gospel continues. And the gospel says, now that you are saved, you are now a child of God. You are now God's own people. First Peter 2.10, he said, you that were not a people, you are not God's people, fulfilling Hosea, has now become God's people in Christ. You that have not obtained mercy, you have now obtained mercy. First Peter two ten. First Peter two ten. Yes, I, I, there is a scripture like that. 
He said, but you that have not obtained mercy, you that are not his people, have become his people. First Peter 2, 10. Which in time past were not a people. You are not God's people. But now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Any wonder in Romans 9, he was talking about those of us who have received Jesus, we are now vessels of God's mercy. We are now vessels of mercy. We have received him. We were not God's people. In other words, the gospel is the, the means, the truth by which God is reconciling you know, his people, reconciling man back to himself to become members of his own family that is named in heaven and on earth. That's the gospel. And God is saying, go and announce this to all men. That God is no more imputing their trespasses to them. God is telling, even if you meet a murderer, God is telling him, you're a murderer, it's okay. Somebody has paid for, you know, for your sin. Receive him. Let him know what he did. You understand? And trusting God that faith will be enacted. God is no more looking at the gravity of people's sin. God is looking at the gravity of Jesus' sacrifice. And there is no sin anybody can commit on earth that can match the gravity of what grace has provided in Christ. This is the gospel. The gospel is about through the suffering of Christ, through his cross, through his resurrection, God is reconciling man back to himself. Now, having become his own, the gospel continues. That in the same way Jesus became the substitute for us on the cross, Jesus has become the substitute for us in day-to-day living. So we're going to preach the same gospel in which it is now a substitutional ongoing work. Christ is replacing Lyde. All behaviors of Lyde that is anything, Lyde is not trying to get better. God is doing a subjective work in me through the gospel and Christ is replacing me always. Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I that lives. Christ lives in me. Christ wants to live in us. There is a replacement. Lydia is a greedy man. Lydia is a wicked guy. Lydia is proud. Lydia is arrogant. Lydia is impatient. How do we do it? We're going to replace Lydia with Christ, the patient one. We're going to replace Lyde with Christ, the generous one. We're going to replace Lyde with what? Christ, the compassionate one. You see, all of us were rotting in Adam. But what God is doing is a replacement therapy, an exchange therapy. He did it on the cross and he's doing it subjectively on going through the gospel. So, and then at the end of our perfection, you know what God will see in all of us is Christ. What God wants to see in all his children is Christ, the same. Christ in all, Christ is all. Ephesians chapter 4. That's the gospel. Okay, so we see the promises of God in the Old Testament. Ezekiel 36, 26. Now I'm going to make this thing practical. We're going to look at the practicality of all these things and demystify a lot of error. A lot of things that... uh, Ezekiel 36, 26. Look at the promise of God. Okay. A new heart 
also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart. Not he will rebrand it. He will take it away. From your flesh. And I will give you a new heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgment and do them. Now, you see, all this, God, you know, God, all this is now made possible. And this is being fulfilled through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Our faith in the finished work of Christ positioned us for all this to be effected in us by faith. It's a supernatural work that God effects in the heart, you understand, of anybody that received Jesus. It's, a super, it's unexplainable. It's beyond science. Those who received him, the Bible says as many as received him, to them he gave power to become sons of God. It has nothing to do with poverty or, or riches. Both the billionaire and the man that has never seen a cobble, both of them need help. We must not be more compassionate towards the poor than the rich and think because somebody is poor, you need more gospel. Somebody is rich, you need less gospel. That is nonsense. Our compassion must reach out to both those who are rich and to those who are poor. For all men without the gospel, without Christ, are wretched. Apostle Paul said, I wish they would be saved, even though they were religious. Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31. Verse 32. Okay, let's go for verse 31. Behold, the days come, said the Lord, and I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So a new covenant he will make. And of course, we know that if you go and read Hebrews, you will see the fulfillment of this new covenant through the death, the, the sacrifice of Jesus, that worthy sacrifice he has obtained for us and made this possible. Verse 32. Not according to the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. I'm not using that again. Which my covenant they broke. Although I was an husband unto them, said the Lord. And they can't even fulfill that covenant because they don't have the heart. They don't have the, they don't have the, uh, the right container to execute this. The law is perfect, but the law is being applied on a wrong man. The man is weak. The man can't do it. And the only one who has done it is Christ. And Jesus is now saying, I am not setting you out to go and fulfill the law. I am saying, receive me so I can live out the possibility in you. For it is God who works in you, both will. And the way he works it is true, you understand, his presence in you, the presence of his spirit. But this shall be the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, said the Lord. I will put my law in their inward path and write it in their heart and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall no more teach any man his neighbor, every man his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest. You see, this thing has nothing to do with finance, money. And I'm like, how did we get our own gospel today? A servant of God said, the gospel God gave me is gospel of prosperity. What God gave me is gospel of holiness. What God gave me is gospel of deliverance. How? Where did we see all that in all what we are reading? Something is wrong. Somewhere. And I think the enemy has done this. Why men slept. The enemy has 
planted wrong seeds. Okay, so we, we see that the gospel is about God creating a way out in Christ for man's malady. And the malady of man is that all of us have sinned and we are falling short of God's glory. And the glory of God is Christ. We are falling short of him. His standard, his image, his person. We are falling short. But God, who is rich in mercy, God, who is rich in mercy, he didn't see. God was relentless to making sure that his people, you understand, man, will yet come and be saved. Now, let's now get to the gospel. Let me get into this thing. 1 Corinthians 15. Let's now get to the gospel. Let's now get to the gospel. Let's now see what the apostles were preaching. From verse 1. 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you. So, Apostle Paul, when I want to declare the gospel, remember when I started, the gospel, you understand, is built on the resurrection of Jesus. In other words, the woman with the issue of blood that was healed, if a woman is healed of the issue of blood, that is not the gospel. That is the body. The woman will still die. It doesn't mean she's saved. Until, otherwise you would think, so, what if a woman doesn't have issue of blood? She doesn't need gospel. What if the woman has everything? And this is where, in many Western world, they think they've got into utopia of civilization. They now think they don't need God. Because what we are presenting is not the gospel. We are presenting gospel of materialism, gospel of comfort, yeah? And they have all those things. So why do you think they need Jesus? Because what you are presenting as the gospel is not the gospel. But do you meet the apostle? Is that what Paul preached? We'll get to what they preach. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preach unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. You see, we don't just receive the gospel at salvation, we stand in it. What has made Lydia to stand till today is the gospel. The good news. The good news is the, that whatever my, however I fumble, God wants to replace. So, when I fumble, I see pride in my life. I'm trusting God, the Lord more of Christ in my life. Because Christ has become my humility. That's the replacement God is doing. God is not trying like they, like they go and try and be humble. That's morality. You know, like they, you know, go and, go and stop sinning so that God can accept you. How? How can you stop sinning? You can't. There's only one who did not sin. And that one wants to reproduce himself in us. is Christ. You see, what God is doing, you must, we must understand the technology. Otherwise, we are, we, are, we, are, we are establishing legalism. We're just doing things that doesn't have power in it. By which you are saved if you keep in memory what I preach unto you. Ex- unless you are believing vain. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I have also received. What did these people receive? Now, let's look at it. How that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. In other words, if Jesus died for our sin, is not fulfilling the prophet and the law, it is not the gospel. We must trace it back to see that the prophet of the Old Testament, the law, actually foretold of the Father he would die for our sin. 
If they didn't say this, there is not the gospel. Because the gospel must find its root in the scriptures. Genesis to Malachi. It must fulfill it. Anyone that in Luke, um, uh, uh, Luke 24, when Jesus resurrected, and he was telling those guys, he said, go and read the scriptures. Go and read. The law of Moses, the law, the psalm. He said, all of them, they testify of me. And what is there is that how the Father, how Christ must suffer and the glory that must come after. Verse 4. And that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. He rose again according to the scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. And that he was seen above 500. All those things are witnesses who saw the Father Jesus resurrected. In other words, the good news is not Elijah manifesting anointing and people power flow. Elijah did not preach the gospel. That's not the gospel. Elisha did not preach the gospel. His bone healed a man that was dead and that was put in the tomb. That is not the gospel. So if somebody is healed while Lydia is preaching, that is not the gospel. I must, I must see that as a means whereby God is advertising his goodness and getting the attention of people so that I can preach the gospel. I must not see it as a means of authenticating my ministry. And then everybody now started accepting like they, and everybody now seeing my ministry too, my ministry, you know, I started making a name for myself. That is not it. The apostle did not respond to those things this way. So, the gospel is Jesus died for our sins, rose up for our justification. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. All have sinned and come short of the glory of the Lord. But do you know something? Even in our sinful state, we are building cities and civilizations. We are building mega things. We are building massive things. We are raising families. And God was blessing us. God was giving us his reign, his son. Was satisfying our mouth with good stuff. We are, we are, we are, achieved, we are, we are marrying and having good things of life. But that doesn't mean we are not wretched. That doesn't mean we don't need help. This is where we misconstrue the gospel. Verse 21. For he made him to be seen for us. Jesus became sin on the cross for us. Who knew no sin? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is the gospel. The gospel is Jesus took our place. He became our substitute on the cross. And that through him, you understand, his resurrection will become the righteousness of God. We are now God's own people. We are now God's own children. God's own people. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. This foundation is so important. Wow, our time is really fast spent. Jesus Christ. Ah. Ah. Okay, let me finish this Ephesians chapter 2. Wow. Wow, Lord have mercy. Okay. 
Ephesians 2 1. And you had he quickened. The word quickened made alive. You see, the problem of all of us is that we were dead in sins. Who we were dead in trespasses and sins. But do you know in this dead state, we were building cities, we were building civilization, we were marrying, we were enjoying, good things were coming to us. You understand? Our children are doing well, we're giving birth. You understand? But that doesn't mean we don't need help. That's the challenge. <clears throat> That's the challenge. You think if things is working for people, then they don't need the gospel. <clears throat> it is people things are not working for that need the gospel. And that's why when we understand the gospel, many things we call testimony in the church are not true testimony of the gospel. They are not. Because those things will have been happening before you even met God. Was it not God that has been doing it? Let me say this. Even without you knowing God, miracle is happening. God will supernaturally deliver people. Will help you. Somebody will come to our meeting. He's an unbeliever. And word of knowledge will go to that person. God will heal. God will deliver. God will set that person free. Yet, God is not using that as a manipulation manipul to manipulate the person to come and accept Jesus. So one guy was telling their, their, their church went on a an, um, health, uh, what do you call it now? Uh, health mission, uh, surgical, to give free surgical thing, And they would tell people, ah, and their stuff. They were really doing a lot of that. And he was telling me that, before they do surgery for you, they will tell them you must, they must accept Jesus. Then they will preach Jesus. Then they will accept. Then they will do surgery. I said, no, I hope any one of them accepted Jesus. For me, that's manipulation. You don't give condition like that. You don't. Just do good. God will not say his son will not come upon you because you have not accepted Jesus. God doesn't do that. Do you know what the gospel is? Gospel is not received by manipulation. You don't help God. Preach it the way it is. Hear me. Let people be saved by his power. Those who are born again, not by the will of man. Like they cannot will it. I can't will my children into being born again. They can adjust or they can go to church with me. They can know the scripture, but that doesn't mean they are born again. Until God himself supernaturally. Ah. <laughs> Brethren, we'll be sober. We'll be sober and then we'll, we'll fear. Wherein in time past you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of air, the spirit that now walketh in the chain of disobedience, among whom also we all, we all had our conversation in the time past in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. I'll get there next week. And were by nature children of wrath. But verse 4 But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us. And this is how the gospel came in. We were dead in sins. We were living in lust after our own flesh, after our own laws, according to the dictates of this world. What then is the gospel as I begin to expand it? You see, the problem of man is fourfold at close. Sin that makes us to commit sins. Self-life, the Bible calls it loss of the flesh. Lie this own life. Lydes life. Lyde is life. Self-life. Three. Evil world. Present evil system. That is hostile to all that is called God. Do I say all that is called God? All that is called Christ. You see, the problem of man is not God. The problem is Christ. That's why many nations we don't have problem with some religion. But once you talk about Christianity, there's hostility. 
The hostility is against Christ, not God. Some will even accommodate God. But once you talk about Christ, the problem comes. Jesus said, they hated me, they will hate you. But you know, we all of us want to. So we don't preach the gospel of Christ. We are preaching, we are preaching God. We are preaching God, 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 God. Because we don't want to suffer persecution. And lastly, there are four things here. And lastly, Satan. So we have sin and sins, self-life, this present evil world, and Satan. What is the gospel? The gospel is that all these four enemies of our soul, God has provided a way out in Christ. Christ, the solution to all the enemies. Our enemies is sin. Your enemy is sins. Your enemy is yourself, self-life. Jesus said, if you don't lose your life, you won't gain it all. You can't. You see, the problem of life is self-life. I want to preserve myself. That's why I'm sinning. We'll look at it next week. And the, the solution is the gospel. Is the gospel that can conquer Lydie. God is going to set aside Lydie by the gospel. And he will replace him with Christ. The solution is, is Christ. Whatever God is solving, God solves his problem with Christ. That's the way he solves it. Our preaching must be, and they went about preaching Jesus. They preach Christ, not formula, not principles. They are not, it's not principle. We are preaching a person. The gospel is about a person, the replacement, the substitute. Both at salvation and at conversion and eternity to come, it will be Christ. And what? This present evil world. You know there is an evil system. All of us are in it. We will look at it when we come. And then Satan. You know, Satan is that arch enemy of our soul. And God is dealing with Satan. You know, some, I was with somebody today, he said, no go better for Satan. I said, Jesus. Do you know who Satan is? The Bible says, you, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. You are talking to Satan like that. You have no right. It shows you are carnal. You don't talk to Satan like that. Who born Satan? No go better for Satan. You can't say all those derogatory things against dignity. You only attack and challenge Satan in Christ. And you only do that on the provision that Jesus has provided. Otherwise, we are crossing boundaries. And it is all those kind of... is pride. It's, it, we think we have faith, but that's not faith. We must do it according to that boundary that the scripture provides. Okay, so this is the gospel um, in that generic form. So the gospel... Is the good news as to how God has provided solution to our malady, the, the malady we had in Adam, of sin, of trespasses, of death, of self-life, of this present evil world, of Satan, and how Christ is the solution. And how ongoing Christ is the solution, and how in time to come, Christ is solution. So, we're going to look at the three phases of the gospel. The gospel in the now, the ongoing operation of the gospel, and the gospel, the good news about that which is to come. If we have not completed the gospel, if we just talk about our sins are forgiven, it's not enough. You must also know the promise of the gospel, because that also impacts on our life today. Because this holistically is what gives us the bunch for us to live well and glorify God. 
when next we come, I'll be able to tie it more uh, together and then really, I thought I would be able to move, but well, we have moved a little. <laughs> Sorry, man. Let, let me show something. Sorry, I, I, I must steal this time. Let me just show you against next week. Act, look at this scripture. Look at Paul. Look at what he was doing. <laughs> no, we go now. We go now. I'm not teaching. I just want to read this Bible. Acts 26. Acts 26. Hey. Where is it? Uh, okay. Verse 22. Having therefore obtained help of God. I continue unto this day. This was before King Agrippa and those power. Witnessing both to small and great. See, he was witnessing both small and great, small in wealth, small in position, small in knowledge, small in age, and great in wealth, great in anything. Saying none other things than those things which the prophet and Moses did say should come. We're not preaching another thing, we're just praying that. We will be looking for what is not lost. You see, we are not content to preach the gospel. But you see, the power of God is in the gospel. We will, we will look more at this thing next week. We are learning. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs>